yeah. It's the hype of the podcast. We got to hype ourselves up because if we don't, we're not as mindful of how much we care. Correct. Correct. You guys, <laughs> we just did one attempt and I was like, you know what? Let's redo that intro. And then I'm like, oh no, we're not being authentic. <laughs> it's like your biggest. I don't know that it's a value system. but It's one of my values. Yeah, I realized really... that authenticity is actually one of my biggest values. And if I had to narrow it down, that's like one of the main things that I've based everything off of, which I kind of kind of makes sense now um, that I just worked out some trauma with my mom last night. It was great. <laughs> Hello, everyone and exactly. listeners. <laughs> exactly. Hi. Welcome to Evolving Us. I'm Julia. And I'm Ashley. And this is episode 19 of Evolving Us. We're so grateful to continue this process with you guys. And uh, Jules and I were actually spending some time considering what we would speak about today. And this shit hit. And it hit good because this is a topic that is so translatable, understandable, but also utilized in oftentimes a very abusive way in our modern society. So let's jump in. What are we talking about? We're talking about spirituality. Spirituality, modern day spirituality. Like what does it look like? How are we implementing practices? And what is the basis of our belief system with respect to capital S self, meaning like the big divine universe. Some people call it God. Some people call it wisdom. Some people call it nothing. They just say like it's just life, right? <laughs> so we'd love to start off by just saying whatever your belief system is, you're welcome here. And that this concept, this explanation that we're going to explain it is based simply on our perspectives and that there is no wrong way to understand or interpret your relationship with a higher power um, however, I think it's something that if you're not really in the spiritual world, it's not talked about often. Usually, um, outside of the spiritual world, we're classified into either religious or non-religious. So, um, I'd love for us to just kind of break down the basis of our belief system and our community's belief system and, um, also create a welcoming space for you to explore your spirituality more. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. I'm excited that we're talking about this because this is probably one of the topics that when I started getting into the work, um, I was so triggered by Mm. because of my belief system or rather the belief system that I grew up with with, around religion, really. So yeah, I'm really excited that we're talking about this. How'd you grow up? (laughs) What? Well, glad you asked. Um, I grew up, I, I was raised Catholic. Um, and then before getting married, I converted to Judaism. That, that was like my religious background growing up. I grew up in church, really. Mm. Um. An Italian church, not to mention. (laughs) Where Catholicism was born. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing is, is that when, through my journey of the work and my overall experience, uh, with with my journey of where I am today, I realized so many actual pieces of what I always believed in. Even as a child, I had so many awakenings around it wasn't the religion, it was the spirituality behind what was actually being felt, not what was being, uh, in try- or what they tried to ingrain in me through the religious aspect. So it was very enlightening for me to realize these pieces because I, I had a lot of, um, 
resistance towards religion, uh, even as a kid growing up. So, yeah. What about you? I think that's fair. Um, I didn't have structured religion growing up, but I did have a lot of deep rooted concepts, like religious com- concepts. Like my, I think my, I'm pretty sure my dad grew up Christian and my mom is like hands down Jew to the heart. <laughs> but like, so like we just did our 23andMe tests and you know, where I have a huge, the biggest percentage I think I have is um, outside of my dad's side is uh, my mom's side is Ashkenazi Jew. And, you know, she was born in Egypt and they were Jewish. So they were refugees. And um, during that time, it was it was not looked upon well to be a Jew, as many of us know, um, with just considering everything. Really not just because of like the Holocaust conversation, but more so um, because Egypt is was more of a Muslim country, you know, and still is. So um, they were persecuted a lot. So my mom, I think when they moved to the States when she was young, she was terrified of identifying as that. So she didn't raise us with um, traditional, you know, knowing the Jewish holidays and all of that stuff. And I kind of just had an awareness around that, that like that's I think why, because when she was little, she was made fun of for being Jewish and they ran from another country because of their religion. So she never really implemented that um, in the upbringing of our experience. However, when you were talking too, I thought about like how – clear it is that there's some massive energy present even in religious conversation right so regardless of what you identify the g word as um I've been to church since like I've been to catholic church with Chad um especially for his brother's wedding and stuff like that because he's catholic or he was raised catholic at least and then um you know we went to zoe for a while a couple years here in LA and like no doubt like universe is in the house, God's in the house. Like when you're in those environments, you can feel like the soul moving, deeply connected experience of something greater than yourself. And I think, I I don't know, I guess we'll just hop into it that um, I think that just as different regions of the world speak different languages and we're raised to understand, conceptualize and verbalize Uh, the concept of something through language we're also put into categories with religion where it can take this understanding of something so big so massive so great so expansive and funnel it down into um, a language that we can all understand you know and whether um, your religion is identified one way or the other um, I tend to find that religions can often be more exclusive than inclusive because it's like this is the way you have to be or for example in Catholicism right like you're going to hell right Right. like so if you don't believe this way or if you show up this way like this is bad this is good um and I think there's like actually a lot of value from that because there's like a sense of morality you know it it holds you to something bigger and greater than yourself but interestingly enough you know like me growing up without that like I still had a deep sense of knowingness of what was right and not right based on how I felt Like if I pushed a kid on the playground, like I knew that didn't feel good for my soul. And that's how I knew God was tangible. Even if you weren't going to hell per se. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But it goes along with anything. It's like if you do things that are part of like mortal sins in in religion, like that shit doesn't feel good. So like by the way, you also have a guidance system as you've always said. Like you don't need to talk to 
a priest to be yeah. necessarily redeemed of your your sins, if you will. And, you know, not to sh- shed any light on people that have had religion in their life is a really strong pillar because I respect that too. Like whatever puts you in touch with something bigger than yourself because guess what? You're not the center of the universe is good for all of us. It's good for humanity. So I don't care what form it shows up. I just find, and and only speaking from my perspective, that in the context of religion, I had always felt really left out because I wasn't, quote, part of that religion my whole life and grew up with people that were like that and then accepted into a church or a temple or a space because I wasn't, like I was so one foot in, one foot out based on my upbringing that I felt more excluded than included and it created discord from me. However, I find myself to be a deeply spiritual person. Mm. And so I, I think... Yeah, it can, religion can be a beautiful flourishing thing that nourishes your relationship to something bigger. And then it can also be a detrimental thing that constantly makes you feel like a failure. Yeah, and it's crazy. I was actually thinking about this the other day about like the concept of praying and how that and, you know, the concept of manifesting is like literally the same thing. And I've seen just so many parallels that are... I mean, I don't want to say align with my belief system, but I guess, yeah, that's what it is. And with religion, it's like there's so many parallels and everything, just kind of like what you said, that language is, you know, every country you go, there's a different language and, you know, like we know what we know and it's, it's the same thing. Like everyone needs something to believe in, especially when they don't believe in themselves. Mm. That shit hits. Oh boy. (laughs) And sometimes even when you have that, like you're still going to have dark moments. Yeah. And like, I think like in, in regards to that comment I just made, it's kind of like when you're so alone Mm -hmm. or lonely and all of the, or all of the above and you're like, God, just like, please help. And like, that's faith, right? And Mm -hmm. it's faith in something bigger that can push you to see your own light. So it's like. It's all there for us if we choose to see it. 100%. And anyone that's asking for help from something bigger than themselves deserves help. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's that sense of humility that like I'm just me but you, God, within me or without me or, you know, Jesus Christ or, you know, whatever it is, with you I am big, and with just me, I'm alone. And religions say that and I wholeheartedly believe that because just me, if I disconnect and I isolate from my friends, my family, my community, my 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 relationship with God, with spirit, with something greater, I, I disconnect myself from my life force. And isn't it crazy that we put so much energy in something that isn't tangible, that literally we just have we literally have faith in something that we cannot see, feel like we feel it, I guess, actually, but we can't touch, we can't conceptualize this bigger power that, but we believe in it. And so it's kind of like, we believe in something bigger than ourselves when we don't even know who we are sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it's, kind of like this driving force this energy that we all know what it is it's just like religion defines it as blank what right whichever religion you decide to um subscribe to 
That's what it is. But defining things is like what we do as human beings. Yeah. So without the ability to create a definition, it's so often just like those question marks just get left unanswered. So I really respect that we as a civilization have created this pathway to understanding. And I think that's epic and, and deeply beautiful, you know. And it connects us. It really, truly, deeply connects us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I also, and this is sidebar, maybe I'll get some heat on it. We'll see. Let me know if I'm offending you, but okay. I don't care because I'm just going to say it. I find that people that identify themselves as atheist or I don't believe in God or they're like spiritually shut down, religiously shut down are people that are hurting the most and they're unwilling to admit that. So like disconnected people of like there is no God or like that's just not me or maybe they haven't even considered that is like they're so deep in their stuff that they're unable to look beyond or around their stuff to really zoom out and actually to be honest considering all the things we've been through as a fucking planet over the last few years like I don't know anyone that like could stand up and be like I don't believe in something greater you know there's actually some dark shit going on on our planet as a result of the pandemic because I think there's been so much pent-up anger and discord and then it's manifesting in all these nasty laws that are being reverted and you know school shootings and all this crazy shit crazy crazy shit and now is the time that we need faith more than ever not shutting down not turning away yeah and it's crazy because when you I mean I I agree with what you said so you're not gonna get heat from me but who knows who else may hear this that may give you heat but I think that going to thinking of society and just like it's kind of like its own movement it's kind of cool to be atheist or it used to be at least right (laughs) so it's kind of like I think when I think about like religion just like politics it's kind of like one of these taboo things that not many people talk about unless you're like in the church in the faith of whatever that religion is and while we're not talking about religion but we're talking about something bigger right now I think that I I mean I totally wholeheartedly agree people who are suffering don't even want to admit that they're suffering or, or that there is a God or that there's a God or that there's something bigger that could help them because they like they're like so far that the faith that they need to gain in order to save themselves from like literally their own demons it, it's like it's so far removed from them yeah right so yeah I, mean, <laughs> I hear you and I think about too like people that I love deeply that are suffering that I like look at them and I'm like oh my god like there's so much I was talking to somebody I love so deeply today and I was like, hey, it's my job to tell your blind spots and it's your job to tell me mine. And he was like, what is my blind spot? And I'm like, this is your blind spot. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) here we are, right? But, you know, it's just, fuck, here we are. Anyway, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, I'd love to discuss a little bit about what is happening with religion aside. Let's talk spirituality specifically. First of all, there's some incredible people that are stepping into the light in the context of spirituality. And I was talking to um, Megan Monaghan, the meditation teacher, yesterday, and she was talking about how when she got kind of entered into this world, she worked with Deepak and Marianne Williamson and all these like, and Wayne Dyer, like all these greats. And she was like, when I first got a job there, I like 
had no idea who any of these people were. And then when I got, I was like, I couldn't believe the exposure I had to this stuff. And that's, I think, like the previous generation, the now generation is people like the holistic psychologist, Gabby Bernstein, Jay Shetty, like all of those people are kind of coming in with a different message. Um, and the messages are beautiful. Mel Robbins even, even though she's like a little more, you know, uh, on the professional side or she's more motivational speaker. But all of that to me is spirituality. All of that to me is like, pull your bootstraps up. Let's go and live this life, you know? And I, I think it's beautiful. Um, and maybe it's just my algorithm, but it's all I see all the time anywhere. My lens and my algorithm, I'm always seeing really epic new thought process that's not new, by the way. It's like the same regurgitated, recycled stuff that's thousands of years old from ancient wisdom that's translated into, um, you know, how to feel connected now. And so where I'm going with that is that I think what happens in that space, which is really beautiful, is there's information provided. However, in my opinion, what I've seen is that information provided on a surface level without like process work underneath it of like how do I actually apply this to my life results in some really misinterpreted thoughts of what spirituality is and so I'd love for us to just kind of break down some of these concepts because there's something to pay attention to and watch out for because if we slip into these these misinterpretations um we are then in a vicious cycle of ego little self um you know, me, me, I, I centeredness of using spirituality in a way that allows us to just show up however the fuck we want Mm -hmm. instead of do the hard thing that actually is for the greater good. So the first one we have on our list is spiritual bypassing. Jules, you want to talk about what that is? You can just start it off. I'm so triggered by this. Are you okay? (laughs) I'm fine. I'm just thinking. (sighs) It's hot. I need the fan. Oh my God. (laughs) Spiritual bypassing is essentially looking at a situation and saying everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and not actually taking action or doing the thing that allows you to step into growth. So it's like like opting out. Like, oh, I'm in a toxic relationship, but like everything happens for a reason and I'm here like working on myself through this – relationship of compassion when you really should leave like that's spiritual bypassing or oh I'm like hooking up with all these guys because that's just my path and my journey right now like that's spiritual bypassing by the way if and only if you're using the excuse that like God wants that for you or the universe wants that for you right like maybe that is your process I don't know but so often I think we make excuses for really detrimental behavior when it's creating more damage more harm more discord than good because it gives us the ability to um, defend it and rationalize it. Um, and I'll take this a step further. My mentor, Danae, talks about it in a totally different way that I was like, holy shit, this was epic. She was saying, like, let's say you're having a conversation. I don't, I don't remember what example she used. I think it was like having a conversation with your dad and, or like a family member and they're telling you some process that they're having. And you're telling them, well, why don't you do it this way as if you know what's better for them? Mm. She said that that's also spiritual bypassing too because you're using your knowledge to try to get them to bypass the process that they're in. This is like second level, right? Second tier, if you will. And I found that to be so interesting because it's like, wow, yeah, we all are on our own journey and processing and, and... trying to get someone away from where they are in this moment because you think it would be less painful 
is another example of you trying to use spirit to get out of something, right? Not to mention it's like, who do we think we are to determine someone's path? Or inf- I mean, obviously we can influence people, right? But it's like we so badly want to be out of the discomfort that we think we can tell people what to do or that we know what to do because what we did gave us a certain outcome. Yeah, it's just wild. It is wild, and I think it's a also a breakdown of long-term versus short-term gain mm. because the short-term gain is kind of the spiritual bypass of like, I'm just going to order Postmates because it feels good, mm. right? Versus like I have a whole fridge of really healthy, nourishing food that I could just put a little extra effort and show up to. But spiritual bypassing is like, I did so good this week, so now I'm going to do this because it's, you know, some type of rational. It. Yeah. I deserve <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. And then also who's to say that's wrong too, right? Right. So here we are. Perspective. Perspective, yes. But I just think um, for our listeners, your takeaway around misinterpretation of spiritual bypassing is that anytime you're up against a decision that feels like one way would be easier, but it would cut you loose from the work that's underneath it, maybe go the other way. Mm. Go the... the, Path of most resistance. Yeah, the path less traveled, you know? Because there might be something in there for you that you didn't see when you otherwise always did the quicker way out, if you will. Or the comfortable way in. Mm, oh, oh. Hey, <laughs> I like that. Okay, the second one. Oh, toxic positivity. <laughs> um, this one is essentially, it's fine, it's fine, everything is fine, right? Yeah, it's it's I'm telling fine, yourself that um, you're happy, you're fine, that you know you're trying to convince yourself to get out of a state that is uncomfortable or discomfort, in essence, uh, by not acknowledging it and saying everything's fine. That is toxic positive positivity. Yeah, and then also like. So often we discount our own feelings because we're like, oh, someone has it worse than me. Mm. Actually, Car said to me this morning, she goes, someone said to her that, oh, saying someone has it worse, that you shouldn't feel so bad someone has it worse, is the same thing as saying you shouldn't feel so good because someone has it better. Yeah, I actually, right when you were starting to say that, I was thinking the same thing. Mm. Well, because comparison is the killer of all. Right when you're comparing, you like lose your value because you can't compare anything. yourself a thousand percent and that's where validation is the counter Mm. to toxic positivity is sitting in your emotions I have a post on my Instagram too if you guys are interested um it's about toxic positivity it's it was from a few months ago um but it just talks about uh toxic positivity as a dysfunctional approach to emotional management that happens when people do not fully acknowledge negative emotions particularly things like anger and sadness right we know exactly how that feels um And then the post goes on to say, if you're in a dark space, it's more tangible to learn how to move from negative to neutral, not negative to positive. So let's just break that down for a sec that if you're in a really dark space, to get out of that dark space, you're not supposed to jump 17 steps and now be happy and joyful, right? That's not the goal. That's not the direction we're going. It's instead... Could you go from I'm not okay to like maybe I could be okay? Maybe right now I don't feel good, but the possibility of potentially feeling good is a little bit closer than it was, so I can rest in the okayness of being neutral. So from negative charge to neutral charge. 
Um, and trying to trying to take that giant leap anyway breaks a lot of trust with ourselves mm. because our nervous system is like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I actually have something happening and you're invalidating me and asking me to go to the polar opposite direction. Like it's too big of a jump. And when we suppress, suppress, suppress over time, that creates all kinds of other issues. It's like the jack in the box. It just like comes out out of nowhere because these are other traumas like mini traumas that we put within ourselves of disregarding our own need to process things and toxic positivity just continues to build on that process man it's crazy because it's like we're innately like obviously we're human and what you just mentioned made me think about like we're so badly fighting ourselves to be different than we are instead of just accepting where we are right and that's like the trick is getting to neutral most of the time. It's hard though because when your nervous system is so heightened, it's hard to like you're like I want to get out of discomfort right mm. now. I want this uncomfortable feeling to go away mm. right now. Thank now. you. Now, yeah. now, now. What do I need to do to get this to go away? And that was like the Dying into Life Ramdas audiobook. He was saying that I think I mentioned this in another episode that like you know, if you have a toothache all of a sudden that's all you're thinking about mm. and there could be so many other things going on and then all of a sudden you go get medicine and the toothache is better and then all of a sudden you're like oh there's a bill on my desk and now you're in the pain of and suffering of financial hardship or then that's gone you pay that off and then the next thing is like oh my head hurts right oh I stubbed my toe all of a sudden when you stub your toe you go from like mock speed in your day you know you're like walking around doing shit and then you hit your toe and you're like <laughs> and then you like can't function for five seconds and that's all you're thinking about because you're breathing so like Whatever we're focusing on is increasing and that's the biggest awareness that we'll have. That made me think of when that that tin bin fell on my toe and I was oh, like, Jesus. God, I'm fine. <laughs> Toxic positivity, Julia. Exactly. How are you going to teach that? Well, I did embody it. I did recognize like, oh, I'm in pain. That did hurt. But I don't want to be dramatic. Okay, I'm okay. It hurt, <laughs> but I'll be okay. Skirt my girt. Ah... <sighs> Okay, lastly, the term let go. Mm. Like, just let it go. It's like, just forget about your feelings that are super important to you and like, again, bypass, be toxically positive and <laughs> surrender. <laughs> Would this be in the same bucket as calm down? <laughs> oh, yeah, don't ever <laughs> tell me calm down. <laughs> no, but like, let it go. So... Sometimes we're not ready to let things go. And when it doesn't feel safe to let something go and we tell ourselves to let something go, we're negating our own human potential to actually let it go when we're ready to let it mm. go. So the only time, for example, I use let it go as a teacher is like generally with the breath. Yeah. Right? So I'm like inhale <laughs> and let it go. <sighs> right? That feels so good because you're actually moving energy through your oxygen. But if you're like, oh, I have abandonment issues from when I was like four. And I'm like, yeah, you should just let that go. Like that shit's <laughs> crazy, right? Like, you know, you're grieving a breakup. Yeah, just let it go, right? Like it's over. Like fuck that. Like that shit is crazy. How could you even imagine? No. Like don't let it go until you're actually ready to let it go because whatever you're hanging on to, by the way, there are ways to create safety for yourself around that. Mm. 
There are ways to armor up and to learn yourself and to love yourself and to go through process work and therapy and somatic experiencing and yoga and breath work and meditation. There's like millions of things you can do to help you feel more safe to let it go. However, telling yourself to let it go without any of that underlying support system is fucked up. Yeah, like how can you not validate your feelings? Well, I could tell you how because I'm really good at that. (laughs) I work on it all the time, but just saying. I understand how you could not, but I understand how doing that is just shitty. Well, I just think in in relation to other people, it's kind of like we want them so badly to be okay so that we're okay. That's the thing. Right. Is that we want to say we're people pleasing motherfuckers. We want them to be okay so we don't have to deal with the uncomfortability of their not okayness. And by the way, the most powerful thing you can do as a human, and I don't want to keep talking fast because I really want you to get this, so I'm going to slow down. The most powerful thing you can do as a human being to support another person is to sit with them while they're in pain without trying to take it away. Truth. The space you hold is healing. You don't need to fucking do anything. And I felt that, which we don't have to get into this story at all, but Jules and you know her husband were navigating some stuff over the last few weeks and she stayed with me for a little bit of time and she was in a lot of pain. And I got to practice Loving her deeply, being there for her deeply and supporting her deeply, but not taking on any of her emotion or feeling like I was responsible for fixing the problem. And it was so great. I loved it. And I was like, this is the medicine. Yeah. And actually, when you were, before you even mentioned that, I was thinking about that and experiencing that on my end was, was, I mean, it was great. But in the moment, I was like, can't just somebody make this better already? Like, you know, but it's like it also reminded me of last summer in Greece and stuff. And I was like, in that situation, I remember I kept telling myself like this. It's not my responsibility to like change anything. It's not about me. Right. And so similarly, like you held a container for me and were very supportive. And it's like, you know, watching someone you love go through pain is difficult. It's not easy but it's not your job to fix it Mm. um and as we were talking and you know you started talking about this I wanted to ask you how does this connect to spirituality specifically letting go or specifically holding space for someone both well if we are all (laughs) a drop of Water in in the entire universe of consciousness is the ocean, right? Just a little baby drop. If I'm a drop and you're a drop, and you're a drop that's like splattered everywhere and not resourced, like Mm -hmm. I can be the other drop that just like holds ground for you. Because if I'm plugged in and tuned in, I can create that sense of just warmth, you know, awareness. Um, And I think understanding, coming back to this idea that by spiritual bypassing toxic positivity just let go like these are manifestations of our modern day 2021 spirituality or spiritual practices that people usually implement if they don't have that underlying ability to like work through shit right because spirituality like anyone that has religion religious beliefs religion faith uh spiritual practices like they know that that shit is not always rainbows and butterflies. Actually, the 
deepest spiritual connection I find is when I'm like really in it. Mm. When I'm like on my knees and I'm brokenhearted or I've given meaning that's so deep and profound to something that like I didn't need to give meaning to or I'm hurting or I'm suffering, like that is when I feel the closest to the universe, to mm. spirit, to all that I'm from. Like like these skin and bones that I'm wearing right now, like yeah, we're doing it for this lifetime, but what's underneath, what's beating my heart, what's breathing my breath, that consciousness, awareness, I'm close to that when I'm hurting because I need that and I need that lesson and I need that gift and I'm not going to get it if I withdraw from spirit and get cynical and resentful about life. Like I'm never going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. So while these, this this whole concept is really powerful also like the misinterpretations are a good thing to be aware of because we can slip into that just like wanting things to be better and really the commonality of all of these things are like what's the quick fix or the easy way out mm-hmm. which by the way I think our last episode was called the quick fix right or the pre- the one before that yeah um, where we talk about that more in depth if you're interested in learning about that um, but those things these things all have in common that What's, what's the path of least resistance? How do I get the goods quick? Like, let's do this, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, everything is related, correlated in everything that we, we've talked about so far in each episode. And it's like, there's just different layers to everything as you're evolving, working on yourself, um, as you encounter different situations that either are painful to the extent of even traumatic. Um, it's kind of like, what are these life skills that will elevate you, you know, as a human and improve the way that you're living the quality of your life? And I think that's like... That's the why. That's the why, yeah. To improve sure. the qual- the quality of your life changes mm-hmm. when you have something bigger that you're humble to. This just reminded me. This morning after meditation, I uh, I looked at Sam and I was like, yeah, well, you know, because of that quote that you, or not quote, but you mentioned something in meditation about this is a journey that is taking us back. Like that we're all walking each other Yes, home. yes. That's the Ram Dass quote, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that. And then I turned to Sam after and I was like, well, the beauty of it is, is that we're all going home and then we get to do this all over again. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like no matter what you achieve, it doesn't matter because you're going to do it all over again in each cycle. Oh, man. Which, yeah, that's so good. It's so true. Just get to do it all over again. However, I also want to point out this really amazing video I saw. Uh, I'm pretty sure Chad must have showed me this clip, but it was... um. Someone was interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think it was like, um, what's the impact theory guy or whatever. One of those guys, he was in interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's an astrophysicist. Um, and he breaks down astrophilosophy, if you will, or um, phys- physics in a way that's understandable for like the basic person, right? The average person. Mm-hmm. And the interview asked him like, what would you do if you lived forever? Mm. And he was like, I don't want to live forever. And he said, why? And he's like, because if my life was forever, I wouldn't wake up every day. I would have nothing to live for because there would be no scarcity in the time I have in my relationships, in what I get to accomplish in this lifetime, in the measurable amount of time I get to make an impact. 
So like the fact that I have this sliver of time here is very meaningful to me because the scarcity gives me the push to get out of bed every day and make a difference. Yeah, I saw that video. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So good. Because even if I know I have another run here, it's kind of like that doesn't limit my experience now, you know? And what's crazy is that right now, like the, this moment, because we're super present right now, right now this moment, anytime you know when you're like really present, it feels like infinitude. It feels like forever. It feels like infinity. Like we're just here. Like there's nothing. The past doesn't exist right now. The future doesn't exist. We're just right here. Mm-hmm. And it feels like forever. I'm like, wow, it's like where I am. It's more so when we get that anxiety, fear of the future or the past or we zoom out and we're like, here's when I'm born, here's when, I, when I'm dead, here's when I'm this age, I have to be this by this age and da 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 That's when your life becomes finite and you blink your eyes and it goes. Right, because you're not living it to its maximum potential because yeah, you're, you're like not, not present. present. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. Same brain. <laughs> so birth, life, death, cycle. Mm. Let's talk about this. Oh, boy. This is really grounded in uh, yogic philosophy. Y'all, it's over 5,000 years old, this conversation. It's very rooted in um, Patanjali's sutras and um, essentially like what yogic tradition speaks about death, about like this weird thing that we're in right now, this like interesting experience. And um, the way that it's presented is we're constantly on a cycle, right? Like a wheel, which we call the wheel of suffering. Mm-hmm. Hey? <laughs> back on the wheel we go and we're suffering and suffering and suffering and so we're born into a specific family not because like their DNA is your DNA and you were chosen to be connected to them forever you're born into a specific family of origin based on your universal assignment so like you were given this father this mother or this caregiver, or this sibling, or this grandparent, or this like life, this cultural um, experience, this financial class, this country, whatever it is, right? So you're born into whatever experience to work out your essentially your like karmic path of several lifetimes, right? Many, many lifetimes. Because your consciousness is like the same drop out of the ocean. So here you are, a little piece of consciousness put into a little body and like, boom, you're born. Ta-da! Happy birthday to you. Da-da. <laughs> Clearly you haven't given birth. That's not what happens. Oh, Da-da. Well, shit. I'm going to see how it goes tomorrow. Ooh, JK, JK. Nope. Not really. <laughs> My godson's mother is about to give birth to our second godson, so. Any moment now. Yeah, tomorrow for sure. Um, <laughs> tomorrow for sure. So, ta-da, you're here. <laughs> Beautiful little babe. Um, ta-da, Augie is here. Ta-da, Jules is here. Ta-da, Chad is here. Whatever. In all of our families and... We got this assignment and then all of a sudden we're like wounded, you know, whether it's the toddler years or the child years or, you know, the young adult years, young teenager, et cetera, et cetera. We all have different stages in our life when we experience different types of trauma, right? Like all different types and whatever happens, it happens. And then all of a sudden we build coping mechanisms to navigate through that, some healthy, some unhealthy. Um, And we kind of find our way through like, what is my identity? What is the role that I'm going to play during this lifetime based on, you know, the karmic calling. And then I start to play out my life in conjunction with a presentation of a chance to work out the shit that we're here to do. So 
da 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 we're like going through life and then all of a sudden boom like crazy toxic relationship or boom uh getting bullied at school or boom like friend groups excluding you or boom and then all of a sudden that those traumas start to kind of work themselves out and manifest in your life in different ways as you go through different stages and cycles right different people different jobs different relationships different experiences different triggers right like the shit that pisses me off is so different to what pisses Jules off and like why like if I see her pissed off about something I'm like well that doesn't make me mad but what I get pissed off doesn't make you mad so like we all have these different really interesting things that make us tick and so as we're on our karmic journey we've got a certain path that we're here to work out live do fulfill um, gifts that we're actually supposed to give so that we can assist each other in humanity and be like hey this is what I'm presenting this is the value I'm adding like I have something unique that no one else can give because like I'm this uh, manifestation and composition of who I am, body, mind, soul experiences, has never been and will never be again. So like I'm unique in that way. My consciousness is not unique. It's a drop of God. But like I'm unique in that way that I have something to offer in this lifetime to help humanity. And then humanity is going to help me heal by putting me through a bunch of bullshit because I'm on the wheel of suffering. Right? It's great. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. It's a cool explanation, I love it. Yeah, it's good. So we're on the wheel of suffering, suffering, suffering. And then we get a little glimpse of like hopping off the treadmill for a second or two. And that's kind of where we connect with spirituality, with God, with who we actually are and where we came from. And as we connect with that, we're off the treadmill and we're like, damn, I got faith. Everything good. I love everybody. This is sick. And then boom, like back on the wheel because some like thing pushed your buttons again. And you're like (laughs) the bottom of the barrel all (laughs) over again. There you go, running again. Running again. There you go, running on that tread. (laughs) So suffering, 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 right? And then um, sometimes what happens throughout that, which we'll get more into, is like we wake up, you know, along the way where we're like, oh, I'm actually aware that I'm suffering, right? I'm aware that there's like like my life is happening in some divine orderly way and there's like something deeper going on here. Um, But then, however, at some time, we all inevitably die, right? Like every single person that is living dies. Every single plant that's living dies. Animal dies, right? Like we all have this unfortunate truth, but fortunate at the same time truth where we pass on. And and so once we have left our body on this earth, our body kind of, whether it's cremated or buried, it kind of goes back into the soil and recirculates, fertilizing Mother Earth into a space where, you know, there's a little more here. Then where does the consciousness go? Like where does the I, Ashley, or you, Julia, the identity, the suffering of whatever we experience, like where do we actually go? And isn't that just the infamous question? Because no one on this side of that experience has ever been able to say, right? Like you've had people that have died and come back. Like my, um, I guess I could call her my godmom, my my dad's best friend growing up. She was, she had a really challenging life. She was uh, deaf when she was little and no one knew she was deaf. So she was Mm -hmm told she was stupid like her whole life until she figured that out um she was sunbathing on the beach and this jeep drove over her and she actually was pronounced dead by being run over she broke I think like every bone in her body and they loaded her they zipped up the bag around her and put her in the ambulance and she came back to life after like I think it was like 20 minutes or something maybe it was a little longer um and now she's a speaker she's like a deaf motivational speaker that talks about hardship she's amazing you'd love her um, but yeah, so her experience, it's like, oh, I went into the light and then I came back, you know? So like <laughs> we hear that all the time of people like, did you see the gates open, the pearly gates? <laughs> like what's happening? Um, but so 
here we are dead. And where does the consciousness go? So in yogic philosophy, we say the consciousness goes in back into the ether, back into source, back into wherever it came from, where all the rest of source is. And during that time, source decides if your little like soul centralness is worthy of staying up in bliss where freedom is happening, there's no more suffering, or you need to kind of go back and do it again. <laughs> like, are there things you left on the table? And if there are things you've left on the table, there are more things you're here to work out. Like, okay, you got through this. Let's now get through this. You come back as Augie, Julia, Ashley. You know, another version of whatever this life experience is supposed to bring you. I want to be Augie when I come back. Maybe you do, but let's talk about Augie for a second. While he's the perfect, um, humble, spiritual little being... He's also scared shitless of a lot of things. Mm. And that shows me that this is so applicable to anyone because like a freaking hydro flask water bottle falls over next to Augie and he's through the roof. He's terrified because of the sound. And we know he was, you know, probably abused at some point. We don't really know a lot about it. But while he's the sweetest, most loving, expansive being, he's on the wheel of suffering. Mm -hmm. Even him. Mm -hmm. Ignorance is bliss. Like, no, he's on the wheel of suffering. The only dog that I know that's not is Luna. And she, I don't know what's up with her. She's like an angel. <laughs> <laughs> so true. My dad's dog. She's amazing. So anyway, so it's like either you're up in bliss and you're not in the human experience because I don't know one human that's not suffering mm-hmm. or a person in general. And if you weren't done surf- suffering, you'd be up there. And so let's talk about like monks in Tibet. Like they're still suffering. Mm-hmm. They're still suffering. It's just they've chosen to devote their life to freedom of suffering. So that's all they focus on all day, every day. And they've renounced all worldly possessions. They don't participate. They're not like in the fire of the suffering. They're instead over there trying to work out the suffering. That's what they've – they said, I'm going to devote my life to not suffering and I'm going to serve others so that humanity can feel less suffering and get closer to spirituality and God. Well, this isn't depressing at all. I just want to reincarnate as like the most <laughs> epic version of myself. I love that for you. Thanks. I want to do that too. <laughs> what if we wouldn't know each other though? That'd be hard. Is that even possible? Maybe we'd have our memories wiped out, which would also be sad, but like maybe we'd Oh, we get it to out. be friends all over again. Oh, f- meet each other again? Yeah. I wonder what our karmic assignment would be. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> We'll see. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk Dark Knight of the Soul. How many do I have to have before I'm done having them? (laughs) I feel like I have them all the time. Um, Dark Knight of the Soul is essentially like waking up. Like it's that moment in your life where you're like, okay, everything I thought to be real is not real. Like all of the structures, the values, the belief systems, the confines of – However, you've padded up your life. You're like, holy shit, I'm awake. Like it's like seeing clearly for the first time. It's like an awakening of your spirit. I mean, while we um, we probably have a lot that we end up figuring out and such, but I also think that that's I don't know. To me, it's like one moment. No, like one big suffering, and then I think it's the first. Yeah. If you will. Right. So like I think it's like the first big moment and I think mine, I have to be honest, was in my, I think it was in when I did my teacher training, my first yoga teacher training. Mm. 
that like changed some shit for me because before I was, I felt super in my pain, powerless. My coping mechanisms were going out and partying and drinking. Not that that's wrong, but it wasn't from a conscious place. It was from a scarcity place of running. Meaning I was like, how do I escape my reality? Mm. That was like everything I was doing was escapism until I found yoga. Mm. And I was like, there's no escaping this. This is confrontation. Everything I was running from is like written in sand on my mat right now. And I have to look at it in down dog for an hour. Mm. Yeah. Mine was definitely my first retreat. Right? In Ojai? Yeah. And then after that, it's like nothing can ever be the same. So it's kind of like, yeah, while there are layers to this journey and to healing, it's kind of like there's one big rupture. Yeah. Or, and, and it could be something like a retreat or it could be something really severe, like, you know, a death of someone or marriage or like something that shifts, you know, like, oh my God, I was traumatized. I was abandoned. I was, you know, whatever it is. And to come to fruition of like, oh my God, I wasn't abandoned. Like that is like, holy shit, because all, everything you believe to be true that solidified your beliefs, whether negative, positive, good, bad, whatever solidified the beliefs of your identity shatters. Gone. Gone. Bye. Poof. So the phrase dark night of a soul is often used informally to describe an extremely difficult and painful period in one's life. But what happens kind of after that is an awakening, right? So it's a stage in personal development when a person undergoes just like a difficult and significant transition to a deeper perception of their life and their place in it, right? Oh, what's my role right now? What's my identity? It's shedding. It's moving through dark stuff but you know it's powerful and again I'm pretty sure we can have multiple of these you know in our in one lifetime right like so many versions of us however um it's soul rocking and it pushes you into a space where you actually have choice where if you're like I want to continue to be as I was and stay in that space or I'm going to open new possibilities of like actually showing up to different types of habits and practices and things that are important to me, traditions. Like what does it look like? Because all of a sudden you're repainting the canvas. So many thoughts right (laughs) now. It's crazy because it's kind of like once you have that awakening, which I was about to bring up the example of like how can you do anything any other way once you know, but then it's kind of like maybe you didn't have an awakening if you're not committed to or it wasn't like the awakening, yeah. you know, uh-huh. but, but that's assuming other people are you. Right. Because you saw your awakening and you were like, there's no way I could do anything else because it would be a disservice to me. And maybe that's just their, their, their path. Karmic path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's crazy because there's so much to work with still. Yeah, you can't you can't unsee it. And it'll actually like keep you up at night and shit if you're aware. Okay, so actually Brian, one of my closest, deepest people, our people. Yeah. He's like, it's fucking torture after your dark night of the soul, being aware of something so fucking crazy and intense that you've been doing and not having the tools to change it yet is that in between space of like it's like fucking excruciating. Because you're now, you now know what's happening and you have to sit in that knowingness and you can't change who you are overnight. So you have to like all of a sudden work out new habits and practices and awarenesses to be able to still show up to your life because you created it from the level of consciousness you were at before the dark night of the soul. And then you have to reckon with how you've crafted and created your shit. And then all of this, 
hidden. I'm shaking my head. You're standing in the now space of like crisis. Crisis after and, Dark Knight of the Soul. And obsession because yeah. you're like so ready. Not to just like get out of the discomfort. Like that. that's that's a minor component. It's like you're so ready for a change. Mm-hmm. You're so ready to be done with your bullshit. You're so ready to forgive. You're so ready to heal. You're so, but you're like, but how mm. and when, yeah. when am I? You're like, I'm ready. Ready. <laughs> you know? So one of the pieces that comes with Dark Knight of the Soul is like once you wake up, then you have to grieve who you were. You have to like actually release the version of you. Like if you think about the identity of you before it and you're like, what would they do? How would they act? What would they show up to? What would they offer? Like et cetera, et cetera, you know? So like you're consistently telling that person like I love you and I'm not going to make the same choices as you anymore. Hmm. And that's doing that to yourself, which is like – feels incredibly um contradicting because you don't even know who you are and if you trust that person anymore because that's like a new version of you that you're getting to know would you say to grieve a past version of yourself you also need to forgive that version as well hands down and that's why inner child work is so hard because like a lot of times when we go back to our inner child we see like a certain version of that child based on their our experience of what we're ready to work out But then it's like if you go – like, for example, I hated looking at photos of me from the period of um, probably 16, 17 years old to, like, around 20. Like, I hated photos. Like, I was just like, ugh, because I was not willing to accept that version of – or forgive that version of me for all the shit I did that was, like, so disrespectful to myself. Mm. Man. So forgiving that version is literally what allows you to grieve that version because then you're, like, in acceptance. You're like, it's okay. I can let you go now. Thanks for bringing up that example because it just made me realize how long it took me to forgive myself, like the past, the most recent past version of myself, right before entering the work. I like hated looking at pictures of myself Mm. when I was pregnant or like right after I had the kids and stuff like that. Like that was really hard for me. I just had that awareness right now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. Totally. (laughs) Good job. Happy about it. (laughs) Good job for sharing. So another part of Dark Knight of the Soul is that you kind of emotionally outgrow people. Mm. And that's something Chad actually really uh, honed in with me on the last few weeks around like, what does it look like to be willing to still love someone, but emotionally like our emotional effort towards them or our attention or our attachment, like Mm. willing to let that kind of go. Uh, And it doesn't mean you don't care about the person deeply. You know, this one's really hard because... Especially with family. Fuck. So hard. Or just people you've known a really long time. I've just, I've gotten to the point where I'm just so aware of my, I guess the what I was going to say is discomfort, but it's not discomfort towards the person. It's more so the interactions and presence and the relationship that you knew associated and the interaction that you had with the specific person you're no longer that version. So showing up, it's like you're showing up to a relationship that you, quite frankly, can't show up to anymore in the same way. And it's not because that person didn't grow. It's not because that person isn't aware or woke or, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's because I find in my experience that 
The there's... lesson has been worked out. I'm sorry, I had to jump in on that. Say it again. The lesson has been worked out, meaning you're not showing up because the assignment has been completed. Oh, shit. So the chemistry of the two pieces actually can't coagulate in the same way yeah. because you've graduated and they've graduated in two different ways. Yeah. Do you know? I'm sorry, I had to jump in there. No, that was so good. I don't it's like, even that's know what, what I was emotion, saying. That's what emotionally matter. outgrowing people is. Yeah, but it's crazy when you still, and I know there's so many people like in the community that are like trying to work this out too with um, their current situations and their journeys. And I experienced this with like some specific relationships and it's kind of like, I was aware that I couldn't show up anymore in the way that I did before because that's no longer me kind of thing. Mm. It's still hard to grieve that relationship too because you still love the person whether it's a family member or and friendship can. and you can still love them and it's like how do you still honor loving them from the distance that you're at or the place that you're at it's like that's I think the very interesting part of the whole equation and it it all depends it depends on so many things but um yeah not to drag on this one point but I think it's a very interesting piece that in my journey and my growth, it's been it's been really hard because it does feel like you're hurting, abandoning the other person in the relationship. But that's the trauma that you're working out because yeah. it's not on you. Yeah. And that goes along too with places and jobs and identities, like the type of place you live in, the city you live in, uh, what hat you roll, what, what job you have, right? So like all of that is just super important. Um... Okay, what else? What direction do we want to go now, Jules? I think we should pause because I would actually love to do a part two with you on this. Yeah. Because I think that actually we've been recording for a while and I want to segment this. Like we talked today about religion and spirituality, modern day misinterpretations. We talked about like the birth, life, death cycle and dark night of the soul. Like that's a lot to digest. So I would love for you guys to tune in to episode two of this or, or episode B. Spirituality of this part two, 2.0. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk more about like what happens after you awaken and like what does every day look like for you from that point on. Yeah. It's getting juicy. It's getting real juicy. So guys, listen, thank you so much for listening. Um, please like, share, subscribe. If you know anyone in your life that would really benefit from this type of conversation, please send it their way. Um, otherwise, what we have coming in our community is on July 10th, we're going to be starting a two-week self-care challenge. Every single day we do breath work and meditation, um, movement practice, which can include live stream or in-person classes with us, which you'll get unlimited access to. Or you can like go on a walk or surf or hike or bike, whatever makes your soul happy. And then third, every day you also do a self-care assignment. So We'll give you guys a calendar and put you in small accountability groups to make sure that you get those activities done and you make time for yourself. Um, I think that's all I got. Well, also July 12th. Oh, awake. Yeah. yeah. In-person class. That's our signature format that we uh, kind of put together that is a little bit of everything we do here. We'd love to see you guys either that or the self-care challenge. You can find all the deets on the website. Otherwise, catch you on the flip side. Peace out. <laughs>